Our second reading is from the Gospel of St. Luke, the 8th chapter. If you'd like to follow along, it's also printed in the middle of your bulletin insert. Then they arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite of Galilee. As Jesus stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he did not live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion. For many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there on the hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding. And the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swineherds saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what had happened, and when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been, been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might follow and be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. Here ends our reading. I dare you, from this moment, to live who you are. These are words from Jamaican-born poet Stacey Ann Chin, words from a black, lesbian, immigrant body to a gathering of LGBTQ people in Chicago in response to the Orlando massacre. In her eloquent remarks, she reflects these young men in a dance club, in a dance club in Orlando, were simply looking for a space to love and live and be safe and be celebrated inside the borders of a country whose history whispers the tradition, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. We are all just yearning to breathe free in public 
or private. I have always wanted to follow my own heart. I imagine that's what they wanted to do too, these young people. That's all they wanted, to be true to the drum-beating human inside their own chests. I dare you from this moment to live who you are. These are words I imagine Jesus to have said to the man freed of the legion of voices. Stepping off the boat and onto the land in, in Gerasenes, Jesus is met by a man plagued by demons, someone who has known a life on the edges, wandering among the tombs and outcast in his community, so feared he was often bound by shackles and kept under guard. Overwhelmed by voices raging from inside and out, denigrating his identity and driving him to places of extreme loneliness and despair, Jesus frees him. Discovering his own voice again, he tells Jesus his name is Legion, as he has been lost to the voices of others. And as he is freed of them, he is reconciled back to himself, to his identity as a child of God. While we may have a taste of wholeness and freedom in our own lives, even that is a lifetime journey. When it comes to the collective, that dream is an even bigger challenge to realize. Acknowledging this, Scholar David Luce suggests perhaps when we are afraid of change, when we are afraid of what is different, when we are afraid, what we need is not a demonstration of Jesus' power, but the living testimony of one who has been healed and restored. Communal restoration may be inextricably linked to individual healing, as one lost self leads others to discover anew their own identities and possibilities. And perhaps this is why the healed man was to follow Jesus by remaining in his community, visible, living who he was. He became an embodied call to the community to live their identity as children of God. Incredible when those moments of living fully alive arise. When we've become empowered, reconciled back to ourselves, no longer standing with the labels we've been given or taken on. Bodies who rise up with voices living free, a sign of encouragement to others. I am inspired to hope as I see people who have paved a hard-fought road of love, continuing to remove the hooks that would make us hover in fear. This is the Christian story. For even when there is reason to fear, we are empowered to rise and walk in freedom for nothing, not even death can conquer love. Our first understanding of love 
begins when we are very small. If you could go back and meet your child version of yourself, knowing what you know now about love, what would you dream for them to know? I came across a book, another book, about love that made me wonder if the author wrote it for his little boy self. It's called The Little Boy and the Big Fish, and is by Dutch author and illustrator Max Welthaus. You'll see an image from it in the back of your bulletin. I know, another children's book, but they're so wonderful. <laughs> it's the story of a little boy who loves to fish and dreams that one day he will catch a big fish. And his dream comes true. One day he catches a beautiful big fish. Delighted, the little boy puts the fish under his arm and makes his way home. On his way across the fields from the lake, he crosses the path of a man who offers to buy the fish, noting it would make a wonderful dinner. The little boy says, no, I want him to live and be happy. When he arrives home, his mother is amazed by the fish. He's beautiful, but he will soon die out of water. Perhaps, the little boy thinks, he could live in a bathtub. So he puts the fish in the tub, but the fish is so large he couldn't move. The fish looks sad, and this makes the little boy sad too. So the little boy runs and gets him wonderful food and reads him nice stories about animals. But the fish continues to look unhappy. The next morning, the fish begins to look quite pale and won't eat. So the little boy, who by now loves him dearly, takes him to the doctor. The doctor tells the little boy the fish has a cold and prescribes medicine and puts a bandage around his neck. The fish goes to bed that night thinking he will be better in the morning. And while he sleeps, he dreams that his fins have become wings and that he flies back to the lake that used to be his home. And he dives down into the water, feeling the cool waves lapping softly over his body. And then he wakes, only to find he's in the bathtub. Early in the morning, the little boy comes and asks the big fish how he's feeling. The fish looks at the little boy longingly, and the expression in his eyes says, I don't think there's anything wrong with me. But I'm homesick for my lake. Please, please take me back there, for I shall never be happy in a bathtub. The boy understands. And because he loves the fish so much, he decides to give him back his freedom. He takes the fish under his arm and makes his way across the fields to the lake. At the water's edge, the little boy says goodbye to his friend and places him gently into the water. And when he sees how happy the fish is, 
as he swims away, flipping his fins. He is happy too. A fish expands the heart of a little boy as he learns to love. In the little boy's being, he is a fulfillment of the dream to love fully. In the fish's being, he is a fulfillment of the dream to live fully and freely, to follow his own heart, the drum beating fish in his own chest. The season of the church we're in is ordinary time, a season when we simplify, when we peel back all the layers back to the earth of the ground so the green, supple shoots can have room to grow, to expand, to breathe, to radiate life. It's the growing time, back to the essentials time, to love, back to what gives us space to swim and move and be free to live. It's a season of the sweet surprise of love as we recall our identity as children of God, beloved, good, powerful in our ability to love. It is the season when we remember the truth of the psalmist's words that deep calls to deep. By day, God commands steadfast love, and at night, the Holy One's song is with us a prayer to the God of our lives. As you entered the sanctuary this morning, you were offered a flower. And if you didn't get a flower, there are flowers up front. As we continue on the path of love and of life, I invite you to consider whether it feels congruent for you to bring forward your flower as an offering to the lives you carry within you, to those who raised you, to those who inspired you, to the 49, to the Charleston 9, to your family, to your teachers, to yourself. In honor of them, in honor of the drum beating human within you. <laughs> 